Hello, and welcome to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Mike. Joining me this week are Craig. Good evening. And Tori. Hello, Internet. And this week we are covering chapters 13 through 15 of Elantris. Uh, but first, let's do good thing. Tori, what'd you bring this week? I have been playing the remake of Secret of Mana, and I love it. I've heard that it is just as broken, if in completely different ways, than the original. Yes, that is the case. Oh, that has to be good then. I hate Secret of Mana. I I love it. It's in my top five favorite games of all time. And they, they really did just take the original game and make the graphics pretty. That's all they did. There's, there's voice acting and it's not terrible. Um, but it's the exact same game that I loved only pretty. I I vastly prefer legend of mana for the PlayStation one. That was, that was a way better game. Although the mechanics of like so many things are Uh, completely impossible to get. Like, People still don't understand how some of the things work in that. Right. That was one of those that you really needed to have the guide in front of you while you were playing if you wanted to get the full experience. And I don't like that. I I like to just play the game. Except that the guide, like, was wrong about some things, didn't explain some things. Yes, unforgivably wrong. (laughs) And, like, some of the things that that the guide was wrong about, like... People who should know things about this game, like speedrunners, don't understand how some of the things work. Like the the item creation mechanics are are like we know that if you add this and this together, you get this. But sometimes, if you add this and this, you get a completely different thing than normal, and we don't know why. Now, I did. Um, I mean, I, I dig the soundtrack for both games, but the um, the song of Mana from. Legend of Mana is, uh, like, that's on my playlist. I listen to that all the time. Oh, yeah. The, um, the music for both games is amazing. Yes. All right. Well, Tori loves Secret of that's Mana. Good. I hate it. Jet, where do you where do you fall on Secret of Mana? I have only played it um, partially. Okay. But uh, as a counterpoint sort of to, to Tori's good thing, I want to recommend Chrono Trigger, but not... The recent crap that was just put up on Steam, which is a travesty, right? That's the word. Sure. Um, yes, that is the word. That's a good word for it. They, if you, um, they t- took the Android and iOS port and decided to just port it straight to a PC base, you know, system, whatever. They put it on Steam, and it's obvious. You can look at the screenshots, and you can see there's tiling issues. It's just so lazy and square has a habit of doing that i'm really upset because i want to play an updated version of like final fantasy 5 and i can't because they decided to butcher the heck out of it for their update so yes yes i agree so hard yeah i thought they did that same thing for like final fantasy 4 and final fantasy 6 Yes, pretty much. Although I heard the Final Fantasy Four one, they actually put a little bit more effort into it. They actually did it right. Like someone uh, analyzed what they did for Final Fantasy Five, how they they sort of you know ported it over essentially from the from the mobile market. And with Final Fantasy Four, they cleaned it up, you know, smoothed the edges, made it look at least presentable. They did not. They gave up on Final Fantasy Five because apparently they don't want to sell things. Mm. Uh, they're just going to do an easy cash grab. So. 
Therefore, I recommend you guys play the older, original version of Chrono Trigger, either Super Nintendo. The PlayStation 1 version isn't that bad. Uh, I also, I like the DS version because it has a lot with the PlayStation. Like, they have the the FMVs and they put it into the, the game itself. So, any of those are fine. It's really a shame that we're just unable to get any more Chrono Triggers after that point. But right. it's a great game. Yeah, I can I can definitely second Chrono Trigger. I I don't know how many hundreds of hours I sunk into that game back in high school. Yes, I agree. Chrono Trigger is amazing. And Chrono Cross might be an amazing game if if you like take it in a bubble, but I wanted a proper sequel to Chrono Trigger and I didn't get it and it was a disappointment. Don't yes. we all? Yes. But again, with the soundtrack being amazing. Oh yeah, no, oh. again. Like that, it's it's the best Rick Roll I I can think of. I think it's like the best music in video gaming. Period. It is just amazing. Uh, yes. I'm gonna argue that one. Well, I, what, I will what is say the best music in all of video games ever of all time is Mega Man Two. I mean, it's good, but no, I can't say me. that's best ever. Fight me, IRL. Okay. No, you have to understand. Like Mega Man Two is top tier. Don't get me wrong, but. I can't say it's better than Chrono Cross, which is just amazing. No, this is this is the tiny hill that I will die on, and I will fight <laughs> you on this hill in you real know, life. Actually, I have a lot of love for the Final Fantasy V soundtrack. Clash on Big Bridge is my hands-down so top favorite video game song out of all of them. All the time. Every time. They had that in like Final Fantasy XIV. They did a, a remix for it. Yes. For one of their quests. It's so good. It's so good. All right. I, this week, would like to talk about hognose snakes as my good thing. Gazoontite. Uh, so they are native to the Americas, North America specifically. There's a couple of different variants on them. Uh, I really like them because they are completely ridiculous. Um, they have a few different things that they do when they get stressed out and and scared, like if a predator is around. The first thing, and again, I want to stress, they are native to North America, is they will um, stretch out their necks super wide so they look like a cobra. Oh, that's neat. Cobras are native to the subcontinent of India, which is not North America. So why would any animal in North America recognize that as a threatening thing? Yeah, that's Usually. exactly the point I'm making is they're they're completely ridiculous, but that's that's nowhere near the end. That's just the beginning. I mean, usually making yourself larger is a normal threatening thing that animals in general tend to do. I mean, sure, but like maximum size. Also, maximum size on these things is like three feet long and you know, maybe an inch circumference. Like, they're not huge. They're, they're it's just something that snake. they developed, and then, of course, once they migrated, it just stuck. No migration. They, worked before. they are native to North America. Well, they, they had to migrate. I'm talking about, like, millions of years ago. I'm not talking about within human history. Anyway, uh, the other really completely ridiculous thing that they will do is if you bother them enough, and I don't recommend doing this because it's a, it puts a huge amount of stress on the animal, uh, but if you bother them enough, they will play dead. They will play dead so thoroughly that 
you can you can like bother them. They will flop onto their backs and expose their belly and open their mouths super wide and stick their tongue out the side. <laughs> and if you flip them back over, they will they will very dramatically flip themselves back and insist that no, I'm dead. Please go away now. <laughs> wow. That is exactly how I respond to my alarm clock in the morning. Yeah. I mean, there there are videos of these, and and definitely go watch one. But like, don't don't do it to an actual snake. It it does actually put a like a huge amount of stress on the animal, and it's not good for them. That's but, exactly how my alarm clock does me in the morning. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there are there are videos of this, and it's so good. Oh, they're they're completely ludicrous. They're they're the dumbest animals on the planet, and it's great. Uh, is that I, a thing you raise? No, I don't have any hog wild muscles. only. Um, I wouldn't say no to getting one, although they are very, very mildly venomous. Um, they have a rear tooth that will um, potentially inject some venom if they like really grab down on you. Um, and it's a very weak venom. It's a it's roughly equivalent to like a bee sting, but the fact that they are venomous at all uh, does put a lot of like potential housing restrictions on you if you if you keep one like there are there are local laws in a bunch of places that like just you can't have a venomous animal as a pet dude they're tiru okay so tiru just said there are very few circumstances where a human encounters a snake and the stress level of the snake is the priority again very small snake pretty much impossible that this thing is going to hurt you uh, if you if you know what's in your area, then it shouldn't be an issue. Yeah, I think it's not the sort of situation where you're gonna walk up and like I'm determined to get to where through wherever this snake is, and I need to be there. It's 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 sort of like if you encounter any kind of wild animal, you don't typically run up to it. Yeah, you just, just leave it alone. It's the same as, sort of thing. As a general rule, just don't bother wild animals. Just leave them alone. I would like to note that there are only four deadly snakes native to North America. And there's only one state in the Union where you can find all four of them. So just learn which ones live in your state, and then you don't have to worry about them. Wait, which state? Which state has them all? That would be mine. I'm in Oklahoma. Right smack dab in the middle. Yeah, you get that nice cross-section of, like, dry desert and wetlands. To, to get just everything. You get everything. It's like the Australia of America. Oklahoma is the Australia of America. Today well, we learned. It is where all the natives live, so there you are. There you go. It holds up. Um, all right. We ready to get started on, on the chapters? You're the boss. Okay. Uh, so since Seth isn't here this week, I have decided to cover the uh, the summary, the chapter summary that he usually does. Uh, I tried to avoid anything that that I didn't remember standing out to me on my first time reading. So I don't know how accurate I'll be as far as like avoiding spoilers and what and what have you, but um so here goes. Uh so Rayodin finds a book written entirely in Aeons titled Aeon Door. Uh shows it off to Galadon and is convinced that he can translate it. So that's Furthering that plot, uh, Mayer and Ryle are still working on completing the roof of the chapel, while Lorene clears the ground, revealing soil that likely used to be a small garden. 
Uh, an Elantrian who has been in the city for almost a year decides to join up with Rayadin's group. And then, is it Karete, Tori? Kareta. Kareta. Okay. Kareta and her men show up and threaten the group until Rayodin promises her access to Aedon's palace. Um, then we start a fun little segment where um, they leave the city by jumping into the well, which is connected to um, a an underground river. Uh, and then they spend a decent amount of time traveling underwater, no breathing, no light, trying not to get smashed into walls. Uh, I think Rayodin at one point like doesn't know if, if they're going to be able to even fit through all of the holes where the water goes and doesn't want to spend the, the rest of eternity as a, as a plug. But shrug. Um, so they eventually surface and uh, end up on the edge of K. K-E. Uh, Rayodin reveals a secret passageway into the palace that Aedon had built because he's paranoid. Kareta visits her old home and leaves a note and keepsake for her daughter. On their way back to the king's room and out of the palace, they run into a guard. Rayodin bluffs him with Aeondor, which was a, a cool thing. He drew the symbol of death in the air and told him that if he moved, it would kill him. Uh, Kareta reveals that the guy that Rayodin threatened and probably scared out of clean pants uh, was her husband. Uh, she also lets him know that uh, she has figured out who he actually is. Um, they go back into Elantris through the main gate, confusing the guards there, and Kareta shows Rayodin the children of Elantris and asks to join her group to his. So that's the Rayodin chapter. Yeah, that's the Rayodin chapter. Anything you guys want to actually, talk about from that yet? I'm impressed uh, at how fast it, it definitely gets moving. Because we did have a couple of chapters which were just sort of world building. And to know about these gangs in earlier chapters, and now you actually sort of, you get one pretty much going to join Rayodin. Like, already, we're only less than a third in, and we're already getting that. And that was the thing that stood out to me, too, was how much happened in this chapter. It was really busy. And um, I, I just feel like it's an impressive piece of uh, narrative structure, just the way it, it flows from one thing to another so fast. Okay. Uh, next one. Next one. Uh, all right. So this is the Serene chapter. Um. I have Serene sucks at Needlepoint and starts a fight club. Is that the whole summary? <laughs> no, there, there's more. I was just expecting some sort of reaction. Sounds about um, right. Uh, some of the noble women in KE seem a bit bloodthirsty. Serene is slowly investigating her belief that the king had Rayodin murdered. Uh, she has her Sion, Sion um, go and check the... Uh, the dungeons to see if there are any half-starved princes there, and turns out no. Uh, then she goes to her first ball with uh, with Shudin as her escort this time. Uh, this one is being thrown by Duke Telrai. Did I get that one right? Uh, yes, you did. Okay. Wow, his name sucks. Uh, who has lit the entrance pathway with expensive burning rocks. We don't actually get an explanation of how the rocks work, just... They burn, they're expensive, and they're expensive. 
and they burn. Um, so is it sort of like coal or something? Uh, it's it's actually specifically mentioned that it is not like coal, and that's well, all that's we get. Helpful. Yeah. <clears throat> um, Shudan is thankful that Serini is there, uh, as she keeps some of the vultures away. Uh, turns out he is considered one of the kingdom's most eligible bachelors and is just hounded by women left and right, has to hold them off with a stick. Um, however, Serini does notice that he is very, very polite to all of these women that they encounter. He remembers their names. Um, she makes note of it that like he's, he's not actually acting like he doesn't want this attention. Uh, Aedon, turns out, is also at the party and... He actually goes to all of them and holds his own sort of mini party in a smaller room that he only allows people of a certain rank into. And that this is standard and that the uh, the various lords who throw these parties have just accepted that this is going to happen and that they need to then provide, you know, music and catering and what have you to two separate parties going at the same time. I'm sure that that's not annoying to them at all. Um, Serini is reminded once again uh, that her rank as Rayodin's widow is an important tool, and she has already forgotten that lesson that she just learned her last chapter and had to be reminded. So that's that's fun. Uh, Hraithen is also there, uh, specifically in the king's mini-party. He doesn't really do anything during the Serini chapter yet, uh, we then get a kind of an info dump from Shudin about the origins of the various religions at play here. Those are Shu Keseg, uh, Shu Dareth, and Shu Korath. Uh, Shu Keseg is the original, and that came from the teachings of an old Jinduese man, and he preached unity, and specifically that of the mind. And the core of that religion is acceptance. And then his two um, greatest students created the offshoots of Shu Dareth and Shu Korath, uh, which also teach unity, but they differ on how. Shu Dareth teaches unity of love, and Shu Korath teaches unity of obedience. Then Shudin talks about how uh, Hraithan's way, like, he has no issues with. Uh, Shu Korath, but uh, he does have an issue with Hraithan's way of preaching because he doesn't seem to actually believe. He just cares about logic and conversion numbers. Um, then they run into Duke Royal, the only bachelor in Arilon more eligible than Shudin. Serene is, or Serini, sorry, is aghast at the notion that any woman would want to marry someone so old. Isn't she supposed to be a diplomat? I swear that was a thing. Aedon um, asks Serini about her teaching the noblewoman how to fence, and Serini slips back into her idiot woman persona, which Aedon was already frustrated with six chapters ago. Um, a messenger comes and Serini tries to overhear, but gets called out by Hraithan, who turns her persona against her. Serini and Shudin stay late at the party. Serini runs around kissing hands and shaking babies. When Serini gets back to the palace, she finds out that someone broke in while she was at the party. End of chapter summary. So, I'm not entirely convinced that these students, these original r religious um, students, 
were that good considering it's supposed to be a religion of unity and they immediately splintered <laughs> into two separate religions. Like they, they might've missed a few core tenants and I'm not really convinced they were that good of, of students compared to the original. Yeah, I could, I could definitely see the case for that. Um, Tori, you got anything for this chapter? Um, not until we get to the spoiler free section. Super cool. Um, so yeah, and as has been the case thus far, uh, there's a lot going on with Rayodin, there's a lot going on with Sereni, there's not as much going on with Raythan. So let's <laughs> let's jump into his bit. Bless you, wife. Bless you. Uh, so Raythan is taking a walk along the top of the wall of Elantris, as we learn he has been doing um, every night, basically since he got into the city. Uh, he looks down on the Elantrians, and we have a little internal monologue uh, where he he says he pities them and doesn't actually think that they're the the demons from his religion, but he's going to use them that way. Uh, and then we also get... I don't remember if we actually got it earlier or if this is the first time we really go into it, but we get his sort of his major, major motivation, which is to convert Arilan, but not to start a violent revolution like he did in Dooladel. Um, because that is something he sort of considers to be a minor failing, not a major failing. Like he, he got the job done, he just didn't really care for how it got done. Um, he meets with Telrai on the top of the walls. Telrai dresses in the least discreet hooded in the country. Hraithan tells Telrai that he will help him become the new king after Aedon is overthrown, and asks Telrai to give his men raises and time off to go friendly up the Elantris city guards. Um, Hraithan also mentions the function of two of the three Karathi monasteries, assassination and war, noting that any one monastery has enough men and power to overthrow Erelon on its own. Erelon, sorry. As their, meeting, as their meeting ends, Hraithan notices Rayodin and Kereta being let back into Elantris. He offers the gate guards payment for delivering any other escaped Elantrians to his chapel before returning them to the city, if it happens again. And that is our three-chapter summary. Sounds good. All right, I'm, sort of, um, I'm sort of ashamed that Seth wasn't able to join us this week, because I'm... I'd sort of want to hear his thoughts about where things are going. Yeah, I think he would have liked these chapters because, as as Tori said, they are really picking up, like, things actually happening. I mean, he'll still read them, and we'll be able to talk about it for our next podcast anyway. Not necessarily about these three chapters, but his overall impressions of them. Well, I'm, I'm definitely planning on asking him to go back over some some of the earlier stuff. And I think, like, yeah, last week he said that he was planning on... Um, basically giving the first section a reread again, or a re-listen, I suppose, um, just to sort of pick up on stuff that he didn't catch the first time through. So, all right, uh, are we ready to pseudo kick me off the call and start on spoilers? I guess. Sure. I'll put okay. the spoiler warning up. I mean, I could make my guesses as to what's going to happen, but I don't think that's going to work very well. You can make some off-the-wall guesses. <laughs> um, all right. 
Uh, I think that Raiden is going to attempt cannibalism because he just has uh, Galadon's word that it's not any good for an Elantrian. So he's going to murder and eat everyone in his group. Um, no, more than one. Oh yeah, no, like he's that first time may have just been a fluke. You don't know. Uh, Serene, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna say this 100. percent I think she's gonna marry Hirathen. I think there's some romance there, and I think they're gonna see it through. I I feel like these two kids can make it. Very obvious. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, and then Hraithen, um, you know, uh, it turns out he was actually an imaginary friend the whole time. Of Serini? Uh, no, of King Iadon. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, if you look back, the, the clues are there. It's subtle, but they're there. <laughs> Their clues are there. No, that's how Sanderson works. It's true. Um, all right, so are we ready for, uh, for spoiler part now? Oh, wait, that wasn't spoilers? <laughs> oh, no. No, that was just my guesses based on what I'd read so far. Yes, let's have the spoiler section. Okay. Tori, you said you were you were sitting on some stuff, so why don't you start? Yeah, okay. So, um, remind me again, what were the two shards on this planet? Uh, devotion and Dominion. I was just wondering if there was any kind of reflection of those two things in the two different religions that we've got going on. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, they were shattered, um, I believe, the thing I read, which I'm pretty sure it was in um, Arcanum Unbounded, in like the the Cell intro. Uh, I want to say that it said that um, Devotion and Dominion were shattered like before human history on the planet. So they didn't have an active role in any of it, but... But yeah, their their intents would have sort of suffused everything in the world, basically. I mean, something I've noticed of Sanderson's writing is that if there does happen to be a religion that he goes into, they it might not necessarily be about the shards, but there's some hints. There, there's something that was developed because of it, and humans try to explain it or interpret it in some way. That's a good way to put I've, that, yeah. I've noticed he has that that sort of thing from from what I've noticed from his from reading his his works. So, were you leading up to something, Tori? No, that was my question. <laughs> okay, um, then Jet, do you have do you have anything you would like to discuss specifically relating to these three chapters? Um, nothing I can think of that's spoilery. Okay, I mean things are moving. Then, and of, of course, we can. We, we can analyze, like, the, the, the sort of things. Uh, it, I'm not sure how much, because I, I didn't get a chance to fully review, like, how much Hraithan talks about his task here. Um, but it is important to note that you can at least see the sort of um, the character he has, the, the sort of the philosophy. Like, he, he doesn't really want to hurt people. And he, he, he views his previous conversion as a minor failure because of what happened. Yeah, it's and it's he, not a major failure that every or that every functionally noble person in the country he was just in got violently and brutally murdered. That was, you know what? Like, I took the easy way. Uh, I could have done better. 
my bad. Is, but the point is, he he doesn't want to just take the easy route. Right. But, like, he doesn't feel super bad that, that that's how it, everything shook out before. True. But we also know that he will have a, a bit of a crisis of faith eventually. So that could be part of it. The, the fact that he doesn't fully feel bad of what happened in the past. Maybe. It's sort of like he, he's doing what his religion says he's supposed to do. He he fully obeys. Um, shoot, I, I need a cheat sheet of the names. His his the religious leader. Wern. W-Y-R-N. Okay. I knew it was a W. I just couldn't remember the, the, the name. But, you know, he, he fully obeys, follows orders. He was told to get this done in, what, like three months? Yeah. And he's going to do it. Um, but he also sees this as crucial to his success here, that he has to get this done, because he knows what the repercussions are if he can't do this in time. Right. And, like, the if he succeeds here, then I believe, to the best of his knowledge, that unites the entire known world under under his religion. Not the known world, I think the continent. Because Teod still has, you know, issues. Well, no, like, getting Arelon brings Teod in. Like, once he finishes here, they're by themselves, and there's nothing they can really do about it. It's just a matter of time at that point. That's how he's viewing it. Right. Like, he, I guess, doesn't realize that there is at least one other major continent. Sure. Um, so, yeah. Uh, anyway, I have quotes. Is everybody excited for quotes? I'm yes. so excited. Yes. Excited for quotes. Um, all right. So the first one I have is actually something that I did not pick up on any of the other times that I've read this book, including the most recent one just before we started the podcast. Uh, and that is, whoever had owned the books before the Riode must have been a geography scholar for at least half of the volumes dealt with the topic. Oh, right? I remember that. I didn't pick up on it. Ever. I caught that on my last rereading. I, I was like, it just stood out so much. Cause I'm like, of course they would study this. I, it just it just made sense at the time. I actually did catch that on my first time through. Because uh, later when Galadin admits that that was his father's study. And that his father had wanted to be a farmer or was a farmer and then became an Elantrian and just being an Elantrian never suited him. Well, then I went back and was looking at the, those things. So uh, I didn't see it so much as that he was a geography scholar as just that he would rather have been living on the land. Oh, no, 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 hmm. no. That's, that's not what's going on here. Um, Aeon Dor is like, takes its basis in the shape of the land. So studying geography would be a way to study Aeon Dor and potentially like work out new Aeons. Right, but I don't think that's necessarily why those books were there. I I think that's exactly why those books were there. Yeah, I'm gonna I I I agree with Mike on that instance. That that was my impression on my reread was that it was important for Aeon Dor to study geography and um yeah, the shape of the land. Like, it, it makes sense to me that they would need to do that. So, so yeah, I thought it was very cool that that shows up that early, and I just never spotted it. Um, all right, next thing, and this actually deals with something that we were talking about an episode or two ago, of 
life would be much simpler if it hadn't taken your people so long to, devent, er, to invent an alphabet, Kolo. The Aeons were an alphabet, Raiden said, just an incredibly complex one. So the Aeons existed and then led to language in that order. Wait, that's what you got out of that? Yeah. And we discussed Not this. Not that the Aeons were their alphabet? Well, they were, but the Aeons were a thing unto themselves, and then language developed from that, in this region, at least. I mean, it makes sense if we know that they actually have to study the land in order to come up with new Aeons, maybe. I don't and, know. Well, no, my my whole thing here was, you know, you have these people who have been transformed, They have they have the investiture, they can draw symbols in the air, and if they do it right, a thing happens, and then you sort of backwards, um, blah, backwards engineer, reverse engineer. Reverse. That's, reverse yes. engineer. Reverse, not backwards. Reverse engineer from that, the meaning of the Aeon, uh, and then go from there to developing a language from it. All right, next thing. Uh, here in Elantris, however, Rayodin found himself reacting to, uh, to the air of despair with defiant optimism. And that just seemed like one of the seeds that led to... Oh, I'm blanking on his name. Guy from Mistborn. Hoyd? Nope. Wait, Hoyd's not from Mistborn. Kelsier? There we go. Thank you. Kelsier. That, that's a Kelsier approach. The, you know, smiling not because there's something to smile about, but because screw you, immortal god king. Yep. Uh, next up I have try not to cough so much. Kereta advised, you'll irritate your throat and make your chest sore, and then you'll spend eternity feeling like you have a cold. That's not anything, like, relevant to the wider Cosmere. I just thought it would super-duper suck to have that happen. That would suck. I once had bronchitis for, like, eight months. It was terrible. Ugh, that, that sounds really, really bad. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of parts in the book where they at least in Raiden's chapters where they're going through something like when they're going through the sewers and it's like every I have to I have to keep thinking back every little scrape cut bruise they receive it's there forever and it will send pain forever it's not like it dulls or goes away right or and you get used to it and it's like every little thing and here coughing internal as well it's like oh my gosh this specifically just struck me as like this is an incredibly minor thing and it like this is nowhere near on par with any of the other like injuries and stuff that anyone sustains it sustains yeah. it's just oh that would suck so hard to just constantly feel like you you've screwed up your throat now i know later on they talk about i i believe they mentioned how people don't really feel as hungry even though like, they're not able to eat. When, when people in Rayodin's group, which eventually becomes, like, everyone, right. um, like, they notice these things less and less. Rayodin still suffers because of other issues, but whatever he does works to some degree. So, at least there's that. Except that it still builds up to a point where if if you get too much, you're, you're going to become a Hoed. Hoed. Yeah, of course. But at least there's... There's some differences now is the important part. It's not like it's not, you know, receive X amount of injuries and you're done. Instead, it's more fluid and flexible because there are differences 
based on how you think and use your mind and apply yourself. Right. And that's sort of the core of everything that Ryoden's trying to do at this point. Yeah. Although he doesn't know it at the time. I, I mean, he, he sort of knows it. Yeah, but I, think, he doesn't... I think he gets an idea pretty quickly. He, I, I guess he doesn't realize how effective it is until later on. Yep, for everyone but him. Womp womp. Um, Alright, next thing is Kereta snorted as she followed him through the hole. I thought things like this only existed in children's tales. Aedon likes those tales quite a bit, Rayodin said. I thought that was just a nice little lampshade hanging on the uh, the whole concept of secret passageways. That's that's a good point. Like they they are inherently kind of a bad idea that no one in real life would ever do, but we need one for the story, so here you go. It's so appropriate though for him to have that. Yeah. And I mean it it comes back later, so that's sure. that's also useful. Um all right, next one. Yes, C Aiden said. We've always heard it. They say that women in Teod kill one another for the sport of the men. And that's during uh, Serini's chapter where she's talking about um, teaching the women fencing. Um, that one just struck me because it's almost identical. Uh, that specific line is almost identical to a scene from um, one of the middle books of The Wheel of Time. And I get the feeling that Brandon... Maybe not intentionally, but totally stole that 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 bit. And then I've got a bunch of pages. Sorry, go ahead, Tori. Oh, no, I was just having the button pushed in case we needed it. Okay. Uh, oh, but that's you. You just gave the signal that you have something to say because your beep went. Yeah, you you have a beep. You have that's a beep the... that tells us to be quiet so that you can talk, please. It's a very oh. polite beep. See, I, w- I was pushing the button during that lull there so that it wouldn't be beeping at you while you were talking. We okay. like the beep. Yeah, we're, we're <laughs> fans of the beep. Anyone who isn't a fan of the beep can get the hell out of here. Um, I just had several pages of nothing highlighted. Um, so, got someone broke into the palace tonight, a guard explained, snuck right through the king's bedchambers, which I just have because that sort of syncs up the timeline from Serini's point of view. Um, let's see. The next thing I have highlighted, I actually covered in the chapter summary. The one after that is... Hraithen shivered at the thought of the dot 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 monks trained inside of Dakor Monastery, gaining access to defenseless Arelon. He, gl- he glanced down at his arm, the place where, beneath his plate armor, he bore the marks of his time there. Uh, this is yet another thing that I didn't realize was foreshadowed that early. I did not catch the uh, the arm thing, my last read through, so thought I'd point it out here. Okay. Um, and that is all I have highlighted. Okay, sounds like there's a lot more to point out, and I feel like that's usually the case in Raiden's chapters because when it comes to like Cosmere wide stuff, he's the one who's actually sort of looking into the investiture. Right. So we're gonna have stuff to talk about from his chapters when it comes to Cosmere. Um, actually, during the geometry, or geometry, geography thing, I believe, like, right before then, it actually had something about Fjordel geography. Yes, okay. Uh, it's better than searching for clues in those other books, Galadon. If I have to read one more word about the landscape of Fjorden, I am going to be sick. 
So, okay, they weren't investigating um, Aeons. They were, I think they were trying to learn about Dakor. With the only way they know how. Yeah, like, the magic works functionally the same way. I would guess that um, Shudin's, like, magic kung fu thing is tracing the shape of Jindo in the air um, when, when he does his thing. Maybe more well, we magic do have soul... We do have soul stamping. And that gets a little off-handed, offhand thing that to uh, finish a soul stamp, you have to carve the shape of Maypan, Maypon, in the back of it. Right. Which, that's not how she learned it, that's just how she thinks of it. So she doesn't even realize that that part actually matters. She just learned this specific shape is how you finish the, the soul stamp, and it looks kind of like the the shape of the country. So that's how I think of it. Well, and that's the same way later when Sereni tells them that, you know, when you're drawing an Aeon, you have to first you draw Aerolon. Um, even though Raiden knows all of the Aeons and probably should have learned that already, that was news to him. I'm guessing that was more something like he learned when he first started and he considered it sort of a uh, a crutch. And so he, he like discarded it because you know, I don't need that. I know that how to actually draw aeons kind of thing is, I don't know. That makes sense. Like he just, he just didn't connect the two things as actually being, you know, useful or, or having a real connection beyond it kind of looks like this. So here's a, here's an easy shorthand for you. Like I kind of like, you know, lefty loosey, righty tighty. Um, well, keep in mind that even the Elantrians, like either they, they never wrote it down. They never, said, oh, chasm needs to be done. This needs to be added. Like, it was not written down. It was not said. They very quickly, you know, failed. Well, I mean, it and maybe it's like you were you were going through before because of how powerful they are. It's not like they really had time, but surely there were some Elantrans that could have been like, hey, wait a minute, but that wasn't the case. So it's not the sort of thing that's common knowledge. It's more like this is a way to think of it especially if you're not used to writing these things. Like, hey, here's an approach that you can use. Yeah. And Serene has that just because that's how she decided to internalize it. That's that's a possibility. There's also the potential that, like, it was written down. There were tons of books on it, and those books got eaten in the intervening decade. Maybe, but... I mean, we, we have... Like Galadon specifically says that there's at least one one gang that took over a library because they realized that the the books were written on edible paper. Well, and we also have that uh, Galadon's study is it's in some kind of a basement, so it would have been protected from the elements and maybe other books and studies and libraries in the city. Um, rotted in much the same way as everything else there's it another just, option yeah it just seems a little too, too convenient to say all knowledge of this particular thing that could help us like because they're right they would be writing it down for themselves it's just completely lost like right away and it's it just, also possible that it's it's something that just wasn't wasn't really discussed like it's a it's a basic primer of yeah. You know, here's here's one of the the most basic things to learn now that you're an Elantrian. We have, you know, a two-hour orientation. 
Well, you want to do my argument? You draw the con- or you draw the country. Yeah, my argument is I don't think they knew that. They just knew the symbols, and it's not the sort of thing that was taught that this is actually the shape of of the region. Hmm. Maybe I guess we'll never know until Elantris two, or possibly three, if uh, the Emperor's soul is considered Elantris two. I don't think it is. I don't. I wouldn't consider it, but it's it's set on the same world, and so far, every we've had other short stories like we have Mistborn Secret History. That's not like two point five or or Lift's story. That's um, not really Stormlight Archive. What two point five? Uh, that one very much is Stormlight Archive two point five. But uh, it's not considered that. Like it's not what people talk about. It's just this is a short story that takes place after. Uh, Words of Radiance. I don't know. I would kind of consider Edge Dancer to be absolutely required reading before Oathbringer. Just just because it, of the, helps, the reasons that but... Brandon says the of why he wrote it is, you know, this, there's this one major character that has a massive shift in sort of how he operates, and you don't get an explanation for it if you don't read this story, so you should definitely read this story. The point is, I don't think... Emperor's Soul is Elantris too. Okay. I I can definitely agree with that. It's it's not related. It just happens to be on the same planet. Anyway, I don't think we're going to get um, the answer to the question we were asking of why didn't the Elantrians apparently know the function of how their magic worked, uh, or at least pass that on in a way that didn't take a decade and dumb luck to figure out. Until, you know, we get the next the next book that actually deals with Arelon and Elantris and, you know, all of these people. I'm just hoping Rayodin learned and has that recorded everywhere in case this happens again. Oh, yeah, no, there I I don't think there is literally any way that Rayodin won't have that written down everywhere. Like, that's our new city motto. We write it on every brick in the city. Aeons are based on the shape of the land. If the land changes, the aeons will also change. Don't screw it up, jerks. They, they have to use very tiny type to, to get it. Well, they also have to brick. change the shape of their city to reflect the changes of the land. Right, which Rayodin did, and presumably he's going to you know, make an effort to, to make it a lot better than just a stick that's scratched in the dirt. Like, I would guess that he's going to build a whole, like, canal canal type thing there right something more permanent now that he is king of elantris it's just funny how that actually ends up working well i mean but he fits he sort of digs a little bit but i mean he and he didn't even have to dig honestly i mean we get a, a full explanation of it like as long as you're intending to to draw there you can use your finger you can use a stick you can dig it in the ground it doesn't matter as long as the intent and the focus is there, it happens. Yeah. So, all right, does anyone have an additional topic, or do we want to just have kind of a shorter episode? That's it for me. I mean, isn't the goal for them to be about an hour anyway? <laughs> I mean, this is going to cut down to maybe like 46, 47 minutes after I cut out all those really long pauses. You mean the awkward silences aren't part of the podcast? Nope, because that sucks to listen to. I'm not fixing things like me mispronouncing stuff and correcting myself or, you know, not knowing the name of 
I've forgotten it again. The guy from Mistborn, Kelsier. There we go. Like, that that stays. But, like, the big long pauses? Yeah, no, we don't need that. <clears throat> I might even keep that throat clearing. Okay. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I anyone... think that's that's it for me. Okay. Tori? That's it for me, too. Cool, cool. All right, well, thanks for listening, folks. Um, we have a Twitter and a Facebook. Uh, the Twitter is at CosmereCast. The Facebook is the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. It's a it's a group. Just search it out in there. Um, join one or the other, both if you really want to, but you're not going to get anything different from either one. Uh, basically, all you're going to get from those is a an announcement when we go live and... Once I get off my butt and do more editing and I get Seth to make the website, we will ha- I will announce when like episodes go up for download. And that's basically the purpose of those. We may start doing discussions if people start talking about things. I don't know yet. We'll see how things develop. Um, I also need to get Tori soonish to record um, intro, outro... Thanks for music stuff. I can do that now. Okay, then I will um, be done. So thanks, everybody. Bye. This has been the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at at CosmereCast or like us on Facebook. Our theme music is Traveling Made Up Continents by Gillicuddy, used with permission. Hear more from him at the Free Music Archive. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.